This week's podcast is proudly brought to you by Glossily Sports' all-new post-workout dry shampoo, Ready Sweat Glow. Made by Aussie runners for all hair types, especially for your post-long-run sweaty hair. Ticking all the boxes, it's natural, non-aerosol, and absorbs sweat. Feel like you need some Ready Sweat Glow in your life? Check it out at glossilysport.com.au and use the code RUNNING20 for 20% off. Welcome to episode number 249 of the Inside Running Podcast. Thank you for joining us for another week. Big show coming at you this week. We're going to be talking about all the results from the track and field program at the Commonwealth Games. Some impressive ones there, so looking forward to talking about all things that. A bit of cross-country and road racing action over the weekend here in Australia. Um, listen to question, all the usual segments you you know expect to hear on this podcast each and every week. So thanks for giving us a bit of your attention for another episode. Hey, welcome to my co-host up in Canberra, Bradley Croker. How are you going? How's the health? Um, much better this week. I thought I was out of the woods when we recorded last week, but then I had another turn um, for about sort of four days. So uh, yeah, did not not much running again last week, but I'm back to full health, which is good. Uh, fitness is not amazing, but um, that'll that'll come now that I'm healthy. We'll talk about that because you did look pretty fit on your Sunday long run this week. I was pretty impressed with that. That's when I knew you were back in good health when I saw that come up. But we'll get to that when we recap your week. My other co-host is not Julian Spence from Anglesey this week, not the Australian representative 214 man. He's uh, unavailable, unfortunately, this week, but we have filled his seat with a friend of the show. His last time he was on was December 2021. His marathon PB is 2.21. Some people, a lot of people, I would say, would call him the second biggest name in Norwegian athletics behind Jakob Ingebrigtsen. Christian Ulrikson, commonly known as Christian from Norway on this podcast. Welcome back to the Inside Running Podcast. 
Thanks for having me, Ready. Yeah, it's... I hope uh, Moose and the family is fine. Yeah. So, yeah. I he'll... mean, before we kick off, uh, <laughs> I'd like to say something, Brady. Since uh, the last episode in in December, me, Julian, and yeah, and Brad were we got a bit rolling, and I mean, I'm not sorry for what I said to you about uh, you and the marathon, but I'm sorry that I had a go to you without you being here to defend. So, uh, a little apologize. And uh, I also have to say that uh, what you have done the last three months uh, have been inspiring to see. I mean, it's, it's almost six years since you, me and, and the legend Josh Harris was uh, running the marathon in Berlin and, and first time I met you. And when I saw your 10K road race in, in Launceston, when you ran 29-25 and what you have done now in the cross-country league, uh, I really have to say that... Uh, for me, I had struggling a bit the last three, four months, but but seeing what you have done, uh, yeah, especially in the 10K, have been inspiring. Oh, thanks, mate. It was an apology no, without it being an apology, but I I'll accept it, and I'm glad uh, we've we've spoken plenty between between December and uh, and this episode here. So plenty of conversations about running and stuff, but it's good to have you back. And now we can just tee off on Moose when he's not here this time. How's that sound? I almost fell off my chair when I heard that Brady was going to invite you back. <laughs> No, well, they loved him last time, the audience croaked, so I thought, who better to fill that seat this week than Christian? Yeah, no picking on Brady tonight. I'm just letting my legs do the talking, boys. I'm glad that you brought up my recent results, Christian. So um, I'm looking forward to talking to you, though, because it has been a while since you've been on the show. I think you've ran two marathons since then. Well, you started Seville, didn't quite finish, and then your result in Hamburg, your 223.28. So uh, before we kick things off, maybe give us a bit of an update about what you've been doing. Uh, yeah, it's like you said. I, I had, uh, I will, will not say I had my best preparation ever, but uh, but the shape uh, before Seville was was good. I <clears throat> I spent some some weeks away from Norway. I mean, Norway in December, January, February is, is winter, so I was traveling a bit in Spain and in in Portugal and and did. I will not say the perfect preparation, uh, nothing is perfect, but the, the shape was good, but uh, that uh, marathon in Seville was first time uh, out of seven or eight marathon starts where I, I have not finished. I I had really big stomach pain yeah, from 15k. I was supposed to stop at 21, but I was running with a mate, so I continued to, to 30k and, and uh, that was all, also almost at the same place at the finish line. So I pulled the pin at 30k and and the week coming up I, I took some corona vaccine so my body was a bit down and then I tried to go again to um, to yeah to to have a new crack at the 220 limit in Hamburg but uh, I learned a new lesson. I mean, we always learn learning new stuff. Every marathon preparation, you you learn something new. And and what I could, can say is that when you're first dropping out of a marathon and then going for a new block, the the body was too tired, and and I had no chance of uh, yeah of coming back to to the same shape or or maintaining was a bit hard as well. So. The days before Hamburg, I uh, I decided that I tried to to run a little bit negative split. So I had 71 flat for the first half, going with a big pack of women, and then me and some other guys ex escaped. And I was struggling last 7k in Hamburg. I was dead. I didn't have the legs to finish it off. So I, like you said, I ran 223. 
it was an okay day, it was not the best, but uh, after that, yeah, I took some days off and then I have tried to to do something for about my 5 and 10k PB here at the track is summer in, in Norway, so try to have a small track season, but uh, yeah, it, it's hard for me to run at the track. I It seems like I can ne- never figure out the training. In the marathon, I have sort of an idea what I have to do, but for the track, I I just have to say I am clueless. I have done really good workouts, but uh, the races have not been good at all. So, yeah, this week we are recording on a Tuesday, and this is the the start of the fourth week towards Berlin Marathon. So I had three three good weeks, and, and now I'm into the fourth weeks. And yeah, I will be back in Berlin. Last time I ran was 2019 when I I ran my PB. And yeah, I will um, try to to break 220 again. This this time I think I have uh, three weeks into the preparation. It uh, it feels like uh, I have a small chance of doing it this year. Yeah, I want to talk about your week in a second because it was a fascinating training week from you uh, from you last week. But tell us about what do you think it is about the track and the shorter distances? Like you ran 32.21 and 32.23 for your two races over 10K and then 15.05 and 15.13 for the 5K. Like still really consistent around where they are, but what do you think you're missing? What's what's the problem? Uh, first of all, uh, I have uh, not too many... Uh, I mean, the, the period leading into the track season is a bit short. I'm coming mm. from a marathon running late in April. I'm, I'm more tired than I'm, uh, yeah, than, than I'm thinking I am. So the first three weeks you are training, but you're not getting better. It's like you, you should just stay on the couch the, the, the first two weeks after a marathon. You can do small jogs, but... But every single time after a marathon, it's too, even with the, with the new shoes, you, you feel okay like three, four days leading in. But when you start to train again and you try to do something, then you realize that uh, the body is still down. So the preparation here is, is not too long. I am not doing, I think I, I need to continue with running, with doing long runs. I have now tried several times to run fast at the track, like doing 400s, doing some fast 1K repeats, but it it just seems like I'm either I'm running too fast or my body is just uh, is just not efficient in that kind of training. For me, it's better to run longer uh, reps with a slower pace and uh, still going for the long runs. It seems like that is the best uh, menu for for all. Uh, yeah, it doesn't matter about the distance. When I ran 14.55 uh, last year, it was just on, on normal marathon training. So every time I try to do something on the track, try to, to work out similar stuff that the track people here in Norway are doing, I'm just getting slower. Mm, okay. Okay, well, tell us about seven weeks. Well, this week of training you're going to talk us through would be eight weeks out from Berlin. So do you want to take us through Monday through to Sunday? Yeah, like the, the the last week of the track season, I took Friday, Saturday and Sunday completely off. So I had uh, a plan of coming into the 10 weeks a little bit fresher. So uh, this was the third week. Uh, 
I have done two long runs the weekends before. The first long run was 2 hour 15 at 3.46, dead flat at the asphalt. And the week before this week, I had a three-hour run in the, I will not say in the mountains, but was like almost 700 meters of elevation. So it was like a moderate three-hour run. So, so hang on, so that was uh, the Sunday before the Monday you're about to tell us? Yeah. Yeah. Three so, hours in the bush, eight weeks out, yeah. You see, so you covered 40.2K there at 4.28 pace. Yeah, it's not croaker pace, but it's, it's fast for me. But I have fear, this time when I started, you know, sometimes when you, when you start up the marathon preparation, and the long run feels a little bit like, oof, I'm going to stay out there for a very long time. Two hours is like it seems like forever. But this time uh, I was really motivated. The first long run was a good one. My body was responding okay. So when I did the, the three-hour run, also I, I realized a lot of the benefit from the long run in the bushes. Like the, the last 30 minutes, it's it's something else running three hours instead of two. And uh, and for me, this way of training to a marathon have have been the the succeed before. So. I will try to go with that direction now. Like have one big long run, sometimes uh, finishing hard, and sometimes just have it easy. And I have one other day a week where I do double interval or one interval. So on that three-hour run, you're doing that by yourself. It looks like a beautiful loop. Like you've designed a really I, good um, loop in the bush there. I sorry. I I really have to say Oslo for for being a capital and also now when it's summer it's amazing to to train here. Like today it was 14 degrees in the morning. Usually it's around 25 midday. But uh, yeah, you can run uh, forever in the forest. You can run flat roads. You can yeah. You can run the Bislett track. You you have everything here. So from April to October. It's hard to find a better place for training than uh, than Oslo. And if you one day can can get the the, the Australian record holder for the marathon, uh, oh, for his name, uh, Rob not going to get him. Yeah, Rob Di Castello. He was spending a lot of years uh, mid-summer in Norway, leading up to the World Championship in 1983. I think he stayed here in three months training with Greta Weitz, and both of them won the, the World Championship that year. So, if there have been some Australians staying here, like in the 80s and the 90s, preparing both for the track season and for the marathon season. But uh, yeah, we have it all here. There you go. That could be the secret to breaking it. We just need to send our good guys over there for three months. <laughs> yeah, if you get the Di Castello one year, you can ask him about training in Oslo and training with Greta Weitz. You have a lot of big stories. Uh, last weekend we had on on our podcast in Norway, we had an interview with uh, with the husband of uh, of Greta Weitz. Uh, she passed away with cancer, but but the husband had uh, a really good good interview taking uh, taking all the training notes from yeah from the eighties and and talking a lot of really good stories. So it. It was good memory, and Di Castello's name was uh, was on the board several times. Yeah, that's pretty special. Pretty special that you can document stuff like that. So, did yeah? Do you do that three hour one solo? Yeah, was completely solo. I, I have done a lot of stuff solo in the in the beginning of this preparation to make sure that I don't run too fast and that I I do stuff the way I want it to be, not the way other people want it to be, because. 
Sometimes I can train with a, with a group of people that are running 216, 217, like 63 for half people. But, but when I'm training often with these guys, they are, I mean, they are on another level. And sometimes I'm just digging myself, uh, yeah, a big hole and I cannot get, get up to it from it. Yeah, that's some good advice there. Well, let's go through this week starting 1st of August. Yeah, so what I have done is uh, uh, now I have uh, more flexibility with my work. So I can, and I'm working from my computer. So I have a lot of stuff but going on, but, but I can plan my training without, uh, yeah, without taking uh, too many other stuff into consideration. So I'm making the morning run a, bit, a little bit longer and the uh, afternoon run a bit shorter. So Usually it's between 1 hour 10 and 1 hour 30 in the morning and the afternoon is like 35 minutes and strides or, or, or some small hill stuff. So Monday was 1 hour 10 in the morning and 40 minutes in the afternoon. Uh, Tuesday I ran 1 hour 30 in the morning and 35 minutes plus 6 times uh, 10 seconds hills in the afternoon. And Wednesday, um, the two weeks before this, I have made the, the session a big session. Like first week, I had 10 times 1, 1 kilometers, so 20K. And the next week, and I had 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1 kilometers, so like 21. But this week, uh, I wanted to run a, a little bit faster in the workout, but uh, don't have that many kilometers for, for one session. So I made it a double day, like... Uh, a bit like the Ingebrigtsen are doing, and if you listen to the interview with uh, Cam Levins, uh, he was also talking a bit, little bit about uh, loading up on the on the workout days, so just doing more the day he was working out. So I did four times uh, 3K with two minutes recovery on the road on, in the morning, running uh, around 3.20 pace, so I hit it pretty, pretty good. It was a little bit windy, so the first two, three case was uh, with a tailwind, and the, the the last two was against the wind. So it, it was okay. Usually, I'm I'm a little bit more sluggish in the morning than in the afternoon. So so when I'm doing the the double intervals, I almost always try to go a little bit longer reps and slower pace in the morning and the afternoon. Usually on the track, a little bit faster and a little bit shorter. So. Four times 3K in the morning, around 3.20, and the afternoon was 10 times 800 plus uh, five times 400. And I was doing the 400 in spikes also, not running very fast, but just keeping the, the legs activated. Did you get all that, Crooks? That's This is in one day. Yeah, so four by 3K in the morning with two minutes recovery, and then in and the two afternoon... two minutes walk, wasn't it? Yeah, two minutes yeah. walk. Yeah, I was walking. Completely then, rest, so was yeah. drinking also. And then 10 by 800 off a minute recovery, then five minutes rest, and then five by 400 off a minute recovery. Yeah. Big day, big day. How tired are you when you rock up to the track session in the afternoon? I have done this uh, several times now. So what I can say, it, it always depends how fast you push in the morning. Mm. For you guys, uh, let's say you run the, the 3K around 3.15, uh, like 9.45 for you two guys. It, it's a big difference between running 9.45 for you or running 9.20 or 9.15. So 
you don't you cannot run down to half marathon pace then the intensity in the morning will kill you later so if you stay around marathon pace or a little bit slower in the morning if you use a lactate measurement you will have around two millimole low two millimole maybe maybe eight 1.8 so the, the morning workout is not very hard but it's like comfortable hard could, but, uh, you could have comfortably done another, like say you had to do six by three k instead of four. You could have comfortably done two more that morning if you had to. Yeah, 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 yeah okay. for sure. Yeah, I mean, back in in the days when when I came from football, this type of running training I have never done in my life. If if you said to me that this was the intensity where I was supposed to run on my hard days, I will tell you this is not training. So, what? What uh, I can say is that for people not coming from running from a very young age, this feels like you are running. <laughs> I will not. I will almost say it. It feels like you're running in moderate pace, mm, steady almost. Yeah. So then, even then, the, the timing between them. Sorry to interrupt, but like, so nine thirty in the morning, and then four four twelve p.m. for the afternoon. Like, it's not a lot of time there, is there? What I also have experienced is if you go down uh, down after, uh, home after the workout, you take a shower, you eat, yeah. you maybe nap for one hour, or you do. You don't need more than four or five hours in between. The the Ingebrigtsen guys are usually, and they are doing double threshold all the time. They are usually training the first session at ten o'clock and the second sex session at six. Yeah, okay. So they have they have eight hours between the start and the start but let's say the first session take one and a half hour with everything then you are down to like five and a half six hours in between and and that is more than enough yeah and then what you usually feel is that when you're doing the warm-up for the second workout you're feeling way more activated than you feel in the morning Yeah, I often find that sometimes on when you've done a workout in the morning and then your afternoon run, like you actually go quicker than you do on the easier days, mm. um, and just naturally flows like that. And then, so what kind of intensity for the eight hundreds and four hundreds? Are you kind of saying five k effort for the fours and maybe like ten k effort for the for the eights? Yeah, pretty much. I wanted to hit around two. Uh, yeah, if you if you say seventy six seconds, it's three ten. So and when you're running on the track, it's very easy to to not run too fast. You don't mm-hmm. have the GPS issue and and everything. You're just following the track. So I wanted to have a uh, to have around three ten, like between two thirty two to two thirty, and with more one minute rest. This this is also is not very demanding and. And when you have five minutes in between and you do just five times 400 meters in 72 seconds, 72 seconds is pretty much spot on 5K pace for, for me. Uh, yeah. What I also figure out coming from football background is I can run very fast for intervals sh- uh, shorter than three minutes if I have a good rest in between. But, but I'm not getting better. I can just uh, pull them out of the... Yeah, of the reputation, but but I'm not getting, I'm not becoming a better runner. I can just run fast; it feels okay. But, but yeah, sometimes I have run way too fast. Mm, yeah, get ahead of yourself when it feels good. Yeah, it's a, it's a yeah. fascinating day and so different to the Australian model. But obviously, mm. you know this this works, and 
um, yeah, the Cam Levens interview you spoke about as well. Like it's yeah, people are doing. There's more ways to skin a cat, isn't there? So um, yeah, but, but if you think about if we talk about the Australian system, like Monagetti was, was describing, with the with the Tuesday around 20 minutes with short fast stuff, and then they had the midweek long run that was not an easy run. It was let's say 20 to 24 Ks where they were probably running a bit faster than easy pace. And then they had a new workout on Thursday. If you look at that, like three days, only, yeah. uh, it's, it's pretty much three days with the intensity in a row. Yeah, you're doing it tired, whereas you're saying this is a huge day, but then, well, you'll explain it, I guess, now. What, what do you do in the days after this? Yeah, what I also have figured out is if you're going for this, like, Renato Canova, big days, marathon system, you need recovery in between. So for me, when I'm doing the double Wednesday or one big workout on the Wednesday, I need at least two days with easy running. So and sometimes I'm feeling okay on day one, but on day two, I am really tired. This week, I hit the intensity on Wednesday very good because I was not that tired Tuesday and Friday, I also f- felt fine. So in the morning, t- Thursday, I did, uh, uh, yeah, one hour and five minutes, 14K, and afternoon, 35 minutes and some strides. And Friday was 15K in the morning and 8K with some surges in the afternoon. So uh, that was leading into Saturday. And, and this Saturday, I was visiting a friend in, up in North Norway, and usually... I have uh, it's like a, a small race community, and that uh, that this weekend was they have uh, 10k half marathon and the marathon distance, and the marathon distance is around the island, and and this if you go on the Strava map and you zoom out, you can see that this is far north and it's yeah in the middle of the ocean, so it's a lot of weather there, it's windy, and it was raining, but but for me running in 10 degrees and some rain. It, is for running very long is good for me i i am good in those kind of conditions coming from the north of norway and i wanted to have a, a big long run so instead of going the half marathon with a, a long cool down i just went the full distance i've just seen this brad i actually didn't realize this was here i've just given him kudos alongside uh 1512 other people this is massive hey, you- you can see that the Strava community, they really love the fast long run. Yeah, and that is a good one for Kudos. You do have 10,000 followers, so that's pretty impressive. You got, I think you've got more followers than myself, Krogs and Moose put together. So um, yeah, this is unbelievable. Have... Yes, yeah, so 43.4K at 338 pace. Um, yeah, you had the gels in there, the drinks in there. This yeah, is, and, uh... and that's uh, one really good thing also with making the long run like I did now is that it was eight drink station. I uh, took with me two gels. So you get all the, the good preparation. And this is, you, you have to realize also, I have seven weeks of training. So the plan was to run 32K, around 345 to 340. So we are talking about uh, 20 miles or 32K in around two hours. And then I wanted to run the last 10K a little bit harder, not down to marathon pace, but I mean, a little bit faster and and feeling like I was working a little bit more towards the end. And, and the last 35-minute uh, uh, 
is giving more uh, towards the marathon than the first 35 minutes. So I had a really good day out there. I had the heart rate was was good. Uh, I got all the nutrition and yeah, my legs was good. And I also have to say after after the surgery and having big problems with a lot of shoes, uh, I think I finally have have found find my my shoes for the marathon. The Meta Speed Sky Plus. That's the one you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah, I also have the edge. It's, it's not a very big difference, but, but yeah, the edge is more like the old Sky version and the Sky Plus is, yeah, the plate is, is not similar. It's, it's a little bit lighter, the Sky Plus than the edge. But, but for me, I need to have shoes with, with uh, yeah, the, they have to be really soft in the top part because like the Nike shoes, they have too much hard hard plastic. So I just destroy my shoe and I get problem with the same area that I had the surgery. So two questions about this. How do you, why that 340 pace, 345 pace? Where do you get, where are you getting that from? Is that like a, you know, an 85% of marathon pace or something like that? It's, a, it's around 90%. 90%. If you take the Renato Canova, yeah, system. You put out 320, that is 200 seconds, and 200 seconds, so 10% is 20 seconds, so around 340. But but it was a little bit windy, and I was just running completely on my own behind a car. So it was not like I was stressing too much about the pace, and sometimes the wind was also uh, against, and sometimes from behind. So it was just the pace that felt like I could... Uh, yeah, run, run controlled, but not like really hard. Yeah, um, and then did you say you won the race? Or did I miss that? Maybe yeah, when I was looking through the numbers, all, you got the W. It was, a, yeah, 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 for sure. But it is a small race. It was like twenty people there. Don't and... say that. Thousands <laughs> of people were there. One of the biggest races in Norway. Uh, what kind of prize do you get for winning a race like this over in Norway? Cash? Uh, yeah, you get Good. cash. 3,000 Norwegian kroners. I don't know what that is in Australia. And I can yes. check probably like... Uh, how many how many pairs of alpha flies can you buy for that? I can say I have uh, a lot of problems in my life, but shoes ain't none of that. That's $440, Croaks. There you go. So you, buy, okay. you get two pairs of uh, super shoes for that over there? One and a half pairs. Uh, yeah, I think I can manage with some discounts, discounts to get two pairs. Two pairs, I reckon. Uh, social, so social media posts all, or something. All in all, the Saturday was good. We was running a little bit longer because the leading car took us uh, yeah, on a wrong turn in the beginning of the race. But for me, going there as a workout, uh, it was okay. So on my Garmin watch, I was passing the marathon in, in low 233. But, but you always... Uh, have a little bit longer on the GPS. So let's say it was around 234, 235. And if I have to guess, I think my marathon shape at the moment is around 223, 222. Exciting times to come. You're in a good situation, in a good spot with your fitness seven weeks out from Berlin. Yeah, and, and this time I also try to learn from the past. So every time I, I go really long and I try to have something hard in the in the back end, I take a rest day the day after. So Sunday was completely rest and I had, uh, yeah, 177 Ks for the week and 11, uh, 11 runs. That's impressive with a day off. That's very good. 
Well, I'm looking forward to keeping following this progress to see how the next uh, couple of weeks go. Bradley Croker, you're up next. Good luck trying to match that. Yeah, it's a tough act to follow. I had a very ordinary week compared to that, and uh, I don't think you'll ever see me doing a week like that. I'm too too old for that sort of training, I think. Um, yeah, so I we recorded on the Sunday night, and I thought I was getting better, um, but then for the next four days, I had um, gastro, so uh, I just couldn't eat. Like you know, Monday night was toast for dinner, um, low on energy. So I didn't run till Friday, um, but by Friday I was feeling like the best I'd felt in two weeks. So I jumped on the treadmill, um, did 35 minutes, and I whacked the heart rate monitor on, and this sort of indicated that I was obviously better because I did 35 minutes at like 4.48 on the treadmill, and my heart rate was you know real low 130s, whereas the Saturday before when I thought I was getting better, I did 30 minutes at five minute Ks and my average heart rate was mid 140s. So that's a pretty big difference. Um, so that was on Friday. Saturday, I did um, an hour out at Mulligans. Um, so for 408s. And then Sunday, because we, we had a lot of rain up here, um, I decided not to run on the trails. So I just ran from home. So it was all on the bike path. Uh, put a brand new pair of the on cloud monsters on and um yeah sort of got rolling I, I it's an interesting one like i haven't done a lot of like my training's been very up and down since gold coast i had essentially like two weeks of very little then i had two weeks of like had one week where it was 98k the second week was you know mid 120s which included that solid 30k before i got sick and then essentially two weeks of not a lot of running um and i so fitness wise i think the fitness is still there but what i found was towards the back end of that my legs were just starting to get a bit um a bit domsy already so i've obviously just lost that conditioning in my legs like i didn't it didn't feel super difficult from a fitness point of view um but i definitely pulled up a bit sore uh the last the last couple of days just from doms so what i get through about 50k for the week um but healthy is 100% now. Uh, I just need to sort of just go back to probably where I was in March and just build up again. Um, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, I want to start going a bit longer, like focusing more on a, a, a long Wednesday and a long Sunday um, and just keeping the sessions really controlled uh, and then just have one down, down week each month. Is there a yeah. sneaky chance you run another marathon this year? um i'm not sure um yeah like i mean i like i really just want to string together a good four to five weeks um because at the moment i feel like my mo you know it's like when you run a marathon you have that couple of weeks off and then you start back up again and you know assuming your body's all good you sort of you're sort of motivated to get back into it which is how i was like two weeks ago and then i had two weeks of sickness so you know, I think I've run, I think I'd run like 300 kilometers in five weeks, which is like not a lot. And you're, you're going to lose some fitness in that time. So I just need to yeah, be a little bit patient, build up the volume again. And then probably in five or six weeks time, um, I think I'll be running pretty well by then. And then I'll sort of make a decision on what I'll do later in the year. Yeah. Yeah. Good plan. Just yeah, put you in a situation to, to go for something. Do the training to be able to yeah do some more training with a focus. Yeah, yeah. That's good. Good to hear you getting better. I'll whistle through my week because we've got some really uh, important stuff to talk about. 
I had another race this week, so it was the week leading into the Albert Park 10K. Um, shocking week with kids sick and, yeah, not sleeping well and all those kind of things. So it's a bit all over the place, and that started on Monday, uh, 30 minutes in the morning, 30 minutes in the afternoon. Just, um, I can't remember exactly what happened Monday morning, but for some reason I couldn't get out the door early enough to do my usual 60, 70 minutes, so I just did 30 minutes. And then after work, I um, always do the shorter run anyway. So that was at 4.24 pace on Monday afternoon. Tuesday, I did a workout I often do if I've got a race on the weekend. It was uh, 15 minutes at threshold. So I hovered around like 3.12 kilometer pace. Then I did two minutes jog. And then I did four by two minutes at around 10K effort. So I was kind of hovering around three minute K pace for those two minutes and had 90 seconds jog between those uh, two minute efforts. And then 6K easy in the afternoon. Wednesday was the same deal. I think I um, I think I slept in Hudson's bed the whole night uh, Wednesday night because he was having a bit of a rough time and then um, didn't have an alarm set and then woke up pretty late. So I only had time to do 6K in the morning before work, which worked out okay because I did get out for 60 minutes after work on Wednesday and it was 19 degrees and sunny beautiful winter's day up here in uh, Chukamoama, so I enjoyed being out in the sun, average 4.17, uh, Thursday, easy 60 minutes, so I just did six by one minute strides, uh, with a bit, I think I was jogging for a minute in between those, I just put on my race shoes for Sunday, and yeah, I just tried to, they're just really extended strides where I just do them for a minute, I just find it's a good, I wouldn't really call it a workout, um, but just something to get you from the Tuesday workout through to the weekend race, just to keep the legs ticking over. 30 minutes in the afternoon, Thursday as well. Friday, 50 minutes in the morning, 35 minutes in the afternoon. Saturday, easy 45 minutes before um, before heading to Melbourne on the Sunday. Oh yeah, this was I was a bit tired because I watched Collingwood win their 11th game in a row, Bradley. You following the AFL, the Collingwood? Uh, I did see the end of that game. I, I enjoyed the last quarter. Should see Christian, my uh, football team that I follow down here. Finished second last on the ladder last year. Now we're sitting second this year. Unbelievable. Really Bendigo bat vibes. Like, they weren't even expected to be up up the top and all of a sudden challenging for the premiership. We've spoken We've spoken about this, though, off-air, Brady, and this is very much Have like, we? yeah, you're very much like celebrating at the 35K mark of the marathon, and there's still a long way to go. Oh, no, we're up and about Collingwood supporters. Anything from here on in is just a bonus because we're, we're, we were so bad last year that we're just, like, stoked. But anyway, that's what that's what happened. That's why I was a bit tired on Saturday. One morning. question, Brady. Yes. In in that uh, home in the crowd for the matches, there. How many people are watching in the stadium? Is it fifty k? I think there was seventy k at this one. The stadium holds a hundred k, and when the finals come up and the big matches between the big, um, it's a very like Victorian based sport. So like southern mm. southern uh, Australia. So where Brad is and probably higher, you know, up in Queensland and New South Wales, they don't follow it as much as Victorians do um, but yeah in the big games they'll get 90 100,000 and that's where um, the Melbourne Marathon finishes inside that big stadium the MCG you would have seen the footage from um, the Commonwealth Games I when, have seen when the Mottram, Mottram yeah that was the same stadium yeah so um, yeah. yeah and Karen McCann like she ran into that stadium to win her gold medal and there was like 100,000 people maybe not 100,000 but it would have been a good 70 80,000 that day cheering her on so um yeah that was that and then so Albert Park 10k on the Sunday morning 
This was uh, round seven of the XER season. I was in a bit of uh, two minds whether to do this race or not because the local fun run that I'm on the planning committee for was the same day. So I really, um, I was kind of hoping we might have had some depth and I could have potentially had the had the day off so I could stay at home and, and help organise the fun run. But the bats were struggling a bit with, uh, with numbers and a bit of depth and I really thought I needed to get down there and do that. So um Went down, spent a few hours, or not a few hours, a few minutes on the phone on the drive down, making sure that people were putting the cones in the right spot on the course and all those kind of things back in Echuca while I was driving to Melbourne. And yeah, beautiful day in Melbourne. Like where this race happens, it's usually pretty windy. You've done it before, Croaks. It was windy that year that you were there. Um, We won't talk about the results that day, but um, it was much better weather. It's just so deep, these races. Like ridiculously quick off the line. Everyone goes way too fast. It's like a bit of a trend in these AV races this year that everyone goes out too hard. Everyone kind of dies, but everyone just dies together. So like we, in my group, I was in the second pack. We went, oh, I went 14.53 and then 15.15 to run um, 30.08. I came 11th, but it was just way too many people going out way too hard. Um, and then we all just slowly died, and no one really picks anyone up because we're just all fading together. Um, yeah, the boys out in front were impressive. We'll talk about them a bit later on. Oh, I was with this. It's kind of like the same names that you talk about every time you recap an AV race. So, um, Toby Mende, Moose's mate from Geelong, he was just in front of me. Um, I was running a lot with Cody Shanahan. Um, yeah, we just it just. It was just, I don't know, I didn't feel amazing and I just felt I had to go down, get my points for the team, um, come home and yeah, one of those ones where I was probably struggling at 4k off the back of the group I was in just trying to hang on and that's not great for a 10k. Um, You probably want to be feeling pretty relaxed through 4 or 5k, hung with the pack until 7k and then um, Cody Shanahan and I dropped off the back and we had a few slower k's i think a, a 308 and a 307 for k eight and nine and then we picked it up a bit to uh finish strong um and then yeah schuberger from western a's as well caught us and then we had a bit of a sprint down the finish there with bodies going everywhere so you know 3008 a couple of years ago i would have been stoked with that time to be that close to 30 but yeah it was it was it was, it was an okay run finished where i probably usually finish in av races but it didn't feel amazing. Um, but anyway, we got it done. We come third the bats, but we'll talk about that a bit later on. Question, Brady. How do you yes. feel this winter season is affecting you, like, overall? Like, I feel like, oh, you know, yeah. it's, good, it's good what you're doing for the bats, but I feel like you're sort of stagnated a little bit or oh, sure. plateaued or, yep. yeah. I'm on the way. I'm, I've been on the way down probably mm. since Gold Coast. Like, I think when I hit Lonnie... Um, and that Gold Coast, because I think they were maybe three or four weeks apart. Like, that's when I was peak fitness, and now I'm on the way back down um, because you just can't stay up for that long. That's one thing. And the other thing is also the training. Like, when you're racing as often as I am, um, I'm not doing a consistent long run. I'm not doing a consistent medium long run. I'm not doing that many workouts. Like, this week, for example, I've done, like, one workout and strides. And when you look at the, when you look at the last seven or eight weeks as a whole – um, there's not a lot of consistent um, training indicators that you probably look for. Like, have you hit your eight long runs in eight weeks? Have you hit your yeah. 16 decent workouts in eight weeks? Things like that. So I 100% know that I'm on uh, the other side of my peak. 
Uh, and I'm hoping, like Andy's obviously back now, so I'm hoping there's an opportunity for me to maybe go to one of these races and, and potentially tempo it and come in, yeah. you know, 35th and just be our fifth or sixth guy, not yeah. having to, to race it. Um, so, An interesting little experiment you've done, though, because, you know, people say, oh, yeah, race yourself into fitness. And, like, you can to a point, but but it, but it's not sustainable. I think no. at some point get, getting in a good training block is better than racing regularly. Yeah, because I think I'm probably up to, well, what that was race seven of AV stuff, and then I've had, yeah, um, Launceston and uh, Gold Coast. So I'd be yeah. nine races in, which I think is way too many. I think you can get away with it when you're in that fourth or fifth one but then I would have been good to go back to the training paddock for, for four weeks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'm hanging on all right. Like, it's not – like, 30.08's not a disaster, but at Launceston going through 5K in that same pace, I was feeling amazing and ready to kick it home, whereas this one I'm like, all right, race is over, hang on, um, consolidate as many – save as many points as you possibly can. And even mentally, like, I wasn't at all there mentally on Sunday because I wanted to be in a Chukamalama, like, doing my own local fun run. Um, and I'm probably just, it's hard to get yourself up mentally to, to rinse yourself every second weekend, yeah. but the bats are 17 points ahead on the top of the premiership. So, um, we're, we're at least ticking that box. But anyway, uh, oh, Jacob, after winning the 5k had a great interview on, on national TV. Of course, he, he was, a, he was a sad crying boy after finishing second. And he, he said it, it was for him, it was like, uh, almost like uh, missing the, the qualifier round. So he was very, very down after the 15 in the, in the World Championship. But after the 5K, he, he pretty much said that uh, tomorrow I'm leaving at uh, 5 in the morning. I'm going straight to St. Moritz. I need six weeks of very good training now. My base is gone and mm. I will not have any diamond leagues, nothing at all. I always ju- want to do the normal training and I need to have a new block of training before going into the European Championship. So, I mean, one thing we can all learn from the best runners is that they are also making a lot of smart training moves in between the races. Isn't that an interesting, um, like, move as well? Because imagine his value, like, and his Uh, opportunity to... You can imagine what he can can get going to to Monaco, running the 3K or running the 1K. But... For him, it's all about the European Championship. He wants to win the double again. And for him, I don't think that money is an is a issue anymore. And, and for him, it's not, for him now, it's, it's, all, it's winning races, it's winning titles, and then it's going after the, the world record. So for him, it's, uh, if he can stay for training, he will stay for training. Yeah, I love that. That's great. That's what you want. People really focusing on on these big races. Uh, well, one question about Albert Park. Uh, yeah. I mean, since we are all following uh, Brett Robinson and uh, Robertson and his uh, prep for London Marathon, this is the same place where he is u- doing a lot of his workouts. Correct. Yep. So, like, pretty central in Melbourne. Um, it's five k around, I think, maybe a bit mm-hmm. short. Um, and there is a like sandy path, but then we were on the road. It was a bit annoying for our race, so you kind of go out 2K, do a U-turn, back 2K, U-turn, and then the third U-turn, and then you come back and finish in the athletic stadium that's next to the lake there. Um, But often windy, um, so when you're looking at his stuff on Strava, he'd be getting some good good tailwinds, but some shock and headwinds throughout some of those big workouts, I think. 
But Christian, it's where they it's where they have the Australian Formula One as well. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen a lot of coverage. Yeah. Oh, then okay. Pretty exposed there. But how good's Brett on uh on Strava every Friday, Christian? It's like Oof. it's like a super super day. Refresh, just wait for his upload. He's murdering some big workouts there. And he's uh, pumping pumping a lot of hills on his long run as well, which is good to see. I reckon he's been listening to that Chris Wardlaw interview. <laughs> I'm wondering if he finally can get it right this time. He, he have one more week than me. London Marathon is the weekend after Berlin, but uh, it's unbelievable for me that this guy cannot go go through the first half in 64 minutes. He have to feel very very relaxed running 64 flat in London. So sooner or later, the the Aussie record will go down and. I don't know if Brett can do it this time. He has had a lot of problem with the stitch and stuff like that. But, uh, I mean, things are going in the right direction. Yeah, he's fit at this this far out. Like you, like you, mate. You're both in a good situation. Six or seven, eight weeks out, whatever you are. So, <laughs> very entertaining to follow on Strava. Rightio, Croaks, let's thank some Patreon supporters. Can you kick us off? All right. I've got Nicholas Tutichi. Uh, I hope I pronounced that right. I did look on howtopronounce.com for that surname. Uh, he's from Windsor in Queensland. He's a legit ultra runner. Came second at the Guzzler Ultra in 2021. I think that's like a 105K race, and it's got some brutal um, elevation. And he won it in 2020. Did uh, Tarawira Ultra Marathon in 2017 and seems to be a 50K specialist. Also has a UTMB score of 726 on his profile. So thanks for your support, Nicholas. Do you know what those scores mean, Crux? Uh, no. Does it? Uh, no, do you, do, do you need a certain amount of points to get into races? Yeah. Uh, maybe? Christian, right. do you know? Is that, is that right, Christian? Yeah. 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 Okay. It's a bit like the ERF score table. It's just on the UTMB. Like, you need... The, the more points you have, the better for entering the biggest races. And uh, and the community for Ultra also is really big in Norway now. I, I will not say it's the, it's the same depth than in the track, but it's a lot of people here running in, in the yeah in the mountains and in the in the ultras. And the, the August is pretty much the, the the biggest month of them all in Europe, with the, yeah two two three of the biggest races in the world. Do you know, is that a good score? He's, uh, ah, it's okay. 726? What's, yeah, it's okay. What's killing Jornay's store? I I don't know that. But uh, I think this is... Uh, I, I'm not sure how many points you need for entering the UTMB. But this, you know, like Boston Marathon, you need to run like 320 to be in the lottery for, for having an entry. It's a bit the same like this. But I'm not sure how good... 726 is. No, nah, it's pretty good because Killian's 947. Mm-hmm. Watch out, Killian. we got you covered down here. Nicholas is coming for you. Who you got next, Croaks? I was just looking at um, scores, actually. Uh, UT- UTMB scores, yeah. It's very cool, isn't it? Like the UTMB index. Well, I'll give uh, I'll give Max Wilson a shout-out from Chifley, New South Wales, and then I'll go back to having a look. Okay. Uh, yeah, Max has run 35-16 at the Sydney 10. He time-trialled a marathon in 2021, which, uh, as we know, 2021 was the year of time-trialling races because there were none um, around due to COVID. Uh, so he did that in three hours 35 around Sydney for a bit of fun. Uh, also run 1723 at the Centennial Park Run. 
and 81 minutes uh, at the Sydney Morning Herald half uh, a few weeks back, which is a, a pretty tough course. He's also a fan of Red Bull and vodka. Um, so, Oof. Christian, what's your uh, what's your go-to when you're out at midnight hitting the dance floors of Norway? Uh, if I want to hit the dance floor, then I need Red Bull and vodka, but I don't drink that too often these days. I, I'm more into to the beers and some red wine these days, but uh, uh, if I have to go with some drink, maybe like Moscow Mule or something. This is all kind of croaks his head. He hasn't been in a yeah. nightclub for like 15 years. <laughs> very, very true. I'm going to thank Katrina Andrew from New Zealand. She's a legit runner as well, boy. She's got some fast times. 17.05 for 5, 37.30 for 10 on the uh, track and 36.45 on the roads. 1.16 for the half when she won the Auckland Half Marathon. And she was also the national 10K road champion of New Zealand in 2019. So when I typed that name into uh, Google to look up some results, I was pretty impressed with what I saw. So a massive thank you, Katrina, for your support. I hope your running's going well over there in New Zealand in 2022. Thanks to all our Patreon supporters for uh, supporting the Inside Running Podcast. If this, a month's worth of our content, brings you uh, five bucks worth of value, you can support us on Patreon to keep the lights on. Got some cool things coming up for the next three months, so i um, going to bring back the old friends of the show. Christian, you were actually on my hit list to do a bit of a friends of the show episode, a bit of a catch up with, but you're on this show this week instead, but I've got some names in front of me. They don't know I'm going to hit them up yet for Friends of the Show bonus content, but uh, I'm looking forward to maybe catching up with Ali Pashley, Aaron Scott, and Matt Clowes over there in the UK, open to any other suggestions that Patreon supporters want to hear catch-up episodes with. Also, every month we're going to do one question-and-answer uncut episode. So we've got a lot of questions sent into the show. Some of them we can't answer on air. Um, but we can put them onto the Patreon feed, which is just a bit more private. And we can just be a bit looser over there, can't we, Croaks? Man, you did an episode yesterday. It was fun, man, you. Yeah, they were fun. I I like it. I feel like the pressure's off a little bit. Um, You're just talking to that little bunch of, like, the community, not, like, the bigger um, public, I guess. You don't feel like you're going to get sued over there (laughs) (laughs) saying something inappropriate. That is is definitely right. So (laughs) Craigs and I did our first one of those uh, yesterday and we went through some listener questions and did talk about a bit of running news in a bit of an an unscripted maybe version, I'm going to say, Craigs. So all over there on Inside Running Podcast, what are we saying? Patreon.com forward slash Inside Running Podcast if you want more details over there. A big thanks to the team at Glossily Sport for sponsoring this week's episode. Glossily Sport is the new self-care company on the block, founded by three Australian female track athletes. Their first product, Ready Sweat Glow, is an innovative and natural dry shampoo mist. Sweat tested by Olympic athletes, Ready Sweat Glow is designed to refresh hair after a workout. With ingredients like bamboo stem silica powders and prebiotics from Noni plant extract, it not only saves you time, but it's good for your hair. Now we can't promise Ready Sweat Glow will make you run faster, but it will speed up your post-run routine. Perfect for Sunday long run brunch. Get yours at glossalysport.com.au and use the code RUNNING20 for 20% off. All right, boys, let's go running news. First big thing I want to talk about is obviously, um, I think the performance of the Commonwealth Games from an Australian point of view, maybe the whole Commonwealth Games in general actually, probably race of the meat. 
Ollie Hoare won the gold medal in the men's 1500. He ran 330.12, which was a PB for him and a Commonwealth Games record. Um, it moves him to second all-time on the Australian list. Only Stewie's been faster. Breaks a 48-year-old Commonwealth Games record. The old record was from 1974, which was 332.16. I've already said it was a PB. Number four in the world for 2022. Not sure. Did you stay up, Crunch? You did stay up and watch it, yeah. didn't you? Saturday yeah, night? Loved, yep. loved it. I, uh, As you know, as I mentioned last week, I, I wasn't overly excited about the Com Games, but this race, I was definitely up and about because I think it was a, uh, I was on at like 10 past 10 here at night. And by the time the race was on and then I stayed up to watch his interview, I uh, yeah did struggle to fall asleep. It was very exciting and um, you know, I think it made it even better the fact that the field was stacked. Like Stewie was the only guy in the Commonwealth that you would probably say was missing from that field. Um, and you'd almost say that, you know, you add um, Jakob uh, and Mo Katir and Stewie and it's, you know, as good as you're going to get in the world. So he beat a stacked field and to come back after the disappointment of world champs, like he just learnt his mistakes from worlds because I know his interviews after world championships, he said that he just wasted too much energy in that semi-final by trying to like protect his position and just, you know, whereas you could see for the first two and a half laps, he was just so relaxed, you know, didn't spend any energy. And um, we mentioned it on the, on the bonus show last night, but what I was really impressed with was how patient he was in the last 200 because Whiteman took off. He probably went a little bit earlier than he did at World Champs. And I don't know whether maybe he was a little bit cocky as being the World Champ and he thought he'd just run away from everyone. But he made a pretty decisive break with 200 to go. And um, the Kenyans then sort of got off on the back of that and they they gapped Ollie. Um, But he was composed enough to just run his own race, know that he still had a little bit left for the straight and was able to, yeah, run him down. So, um, yeah, inspirational. And he just got there, didn't he? Yeah. Just with one, one more step and he, um, you know, just before the line. And Timmy Chariot was, was tightening up. He pretty much fell across the line. But you're right, he had to get over this year's world champ, 2019's world champ, and Olympic bronze medalist Josh Kerr was in that same race. He was a bit further out the back, but had to beat a loaded field. Hasn't he just become a... A legend is that we're talking off air. He's become a household name. I know where I am in a Chukamoema. 65-year-old teachers at school are coming up to me, asking me if I've ever heard of Ollie Hoare before. Mm. Um, you know, just just become a legend of Australian running. The montage, the media that Channel Seven have given it, how it's gone wildfire on social media over here. His he's just an exceptional role model. I think I think we said the same thing about Jess last week. Like their interviews and like how you know the story about his. Um, mm. You know, he's pop passing away in between now and the world champs and just the emotion that you saw in his reaction after winning the race gives you goosebumps, nearly brings a tear to your eye um, and just means so much for him and the Australian running community. Only, that, Herb, um, only Herb Elliott's won a Commonwealth Games gold before, which was um, the mile back in 1958. That interview for me, Brady, was the icing on the cake because one thing I really struggle with post-race interviews a lot of athletes are very cliched mm. and you watch an interview and it's just like, like it's the same stuff that they say or the same questions that are asked. But I don't know, like there was something refreshing about his, you know, his response in that interview. 
He just doesn't um, give a shit, which is good. He just speaks his mind. He's the most honest guy, I think, getting around. Yeah, well, even on his own um, podcast, like some of the stuff he goes on with, I'm like, you know, I, I think to I think to ourselves, I think myself, sometimes we say some controversial stuff. I'm like, oh, should we cut that? But then he says stuff on his own. I'm like, well, we should be safe if he's, if he's getting away with what he says. Because um, did you hear him after the um, the heat at Con Games? Uh, no, I didn't know. Yeah, because Richard interview. interviewed him like, live on TV. So like Tamsin and Tamsin and Bruce have thrown down to the track to hear his interview. And um, Richo's obviously asked him about the world champs. And he said something like, oh, yeah, world champs really felt like a massive hit in the dick. Yeah, and then yeah. you could... Kick to the nuts. Kick to the nuts or, the nuts or like hit that. in the yeah, dick yeah. or something like that. And you could tell Robbo's like, ah, uh, okay. And then when they threw back to Bruce, he's like, I think I've just learned a new uh, a new phrase, a new saying. But that yeah. sums him up to a T. Like he's just, yeah, going to be completely honest and... Um, yeah, I thought the way he ca- he carried himself in those interviews was was exceptional. Yeah, yeah. But that being said, like like before World Championships, I would have said that behind Jakob, he is the form runner over fifteen hundred meters, especially if it's a fast race. So you know, like because he'd beaten all, he'd beaten all those other guys, like he'd beaten Chariot and he'd beaten White um, Whiteman in the lead up to World Championships. So really, on paper, you're like, well, Stewie's, Stewie's, um, um, Ollie's a chance for gold along with potentially Stewie, but then the World Championships threw a spanner in the work. And you're like, oh, maybe, maybe he's not going to win gold at Com Games. Um, but up and but, but up until World Championships, like, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't put it past him to win gold at Com Games. We spoke about this off air last night as well, but the fact that he bombed out at the World Champs. He strikes me as a real fire in the belly kind of guy who would use that ex- like massively as motivation. Like wouldn't have got over that in a week and just moved on, fresh start, clean canvas. Let's go to the mm. games. Like he yep. had a chip on his shoulder, something to prove, and he wanted to prove it. Likewise, if um if Whiteman hadn't won world championships, maybe he would have been a bit more patient and mm. not kicked quite as early. Yep. Whereas I think having won world champs he was a bit more up and about and he's like all right i'm going to run away from these guys yeah because he made exactly the same move didn't he same time mm. just wasn't as quick what do you think christian does this get any like coverage at all in norway what was it like yeah 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 for sure this is midday so this uh, 15 was starting at two o'clock midday and yeah one thing i also have to say when you are talking about a big championship is uh, the, the crowd in Birmingham and in, in general in uh, yeah United Kingdom, when it comes to sports, it's a, it's a fantastic place. I mean, the, the race when Elish McGolgan won the 10K, you can see the crowds, you can see the, the amount of people going for their own, yeah, for their own people. They are cheering. They, they, yeah, they are used to football, but, uh, but uh, yeah, the crowd was amazing. And and it for me the 15 it it's uh, yeah it's a fantastic event you can talk about championship running we can talk about the different kind of races but uh, but like this race it was 12 guys in in the final and eight guys are having the pb holy mm-hmm. hor is running 330 they are four guys running 330 and it's it's uh, the races we saw, uh, yeah, around 2014 when Centrovich was sprinting away, they were running 340, stuff like that is long gone. And, and I also have to say with, with Oli, he, he probably have 
the best coach of them all at the moment. The Ritznheim group is fantastic. And when you see it, when, for me, what Oli did now is, is, is a little bit like you can see he's a true champion. He, mm. he, had, a, yeah, he had a kick in the balls or whatever, and, and then he's coming back. He's, he's doing the, the training. He, ha- he still has the beliefs in, in himself. And one thing I also want to say is, you can see that he have learned the lesson from the mm. World Championship. Mm. He did everything correctly this time. And when Whiteman was kicking, you can see on Oliver's face that he wanted to go, but he was waiting. Mm. And, and the waiting game between, between 150 and 80 meters, those 70 meters around the bend, that is the, the magic because everybody's feeling they want to kick but they also need to be relaxed. And, and it's like you're saying, the, the, it was a race all the way to the, to the line. And, and yeah, Oli was running 3.30.12 in the com games. It's, it's amazing the level we can see in the 1500 meter now. Yeah, and didn't he look so smooth all the way through, like just kept his form? Yeah. Um, the slow-mo finish. Yeah, but, but, yeah. but what happened during the World Championship also, you can see that how small the margin is. If you're mm. running too many times around people, too much in lane two, then a 330 guy, he is a 333 guy, and he's dead the last 80 meters, and then you are out. Yeah. Yeah, well, your man does it so well, doesn't he, Jacob? Jacob. Yeah, but but also Jacob have even though he's a young guy, he have been around. He have raced really good Diamond Leagues for many years. In Doha in 2019, he went a little bit too hard, too early yeah. in the 5K. He finished fifth. I mean, Jacob have also learned his lessons. Yes, he's young, but still. He was so angry after the 1500 meter when Whiteman was running away. He said that the first two laps was perfect, but the third lap between 800 meter and 1200, Jacob was, uh, he, he said it was fast, but it was not fast enough. And Jacob know that when you're sprinting against white man, chariot, people that are running 800 in 143, 144, Jacob have no chance. So he was very angry. He said, it's the last time I'm doing it like this. From now on, I will just hammer it down the, the last three four hundred meter i cannot win a sprint i need to escape yeah yeah learn from their mistakes it's a good lesson and, and just that race craft that you get from years and years of experience so uh, massive... uh josh josh kerr he was third in the olympics he was finishing 12th here in com games yeah yeah that's odd isn't it yeah, so the level is, uh, I mean, and, and the 15 is a bit, little bit in the middle. We all know what we need for the 5K, and the 10K is, is a different game. But between the 1,500 meter now is, is a lot about the aerobic stuff. You need to be strong. We had an interview with, with the father of Whiteman, and he said that they did a lot of uh, more tempo runs, more hills, and preparing for becoming a stronger runner. That have been the main focus for this year, even though Whiteman, he feels like he is more like a 800 meter, 15, like 18, 815 guy. And people like Jacob Stewie, they are more 15, 5K. So you have different people with different abilities. And, and yeah, you have a lot of fantastic races. Yeah, yeah, good point. We might whip through a couple more results, Croaks. So Matthew Ramsden did get, he was in the other Australian in the 1500. Stewie pulled out sick and uh, Ramsden didn't make it through to the final. I think he missed out by one spot. Really messy heat that he was mm. in. Tried to come home hard, but it was just too slow. 
that um that heat he was in. Do you want to tell us about the steeplechase and the men's three k steeplechase and the men's five k? Yeah, so in the steeplechase, uh, we had Ben Buckingham finishing fifth, eight thirty four. He uh, just got Kip Rudo uh, on the line um, after scalp. yeah Kip Kip Rudo sort of was there with. I don't know, what, 600 to go, and then pretty much blew up and jogged it in. Uh, Ed Trippis was seventh in 8.37.42. The men's 5K, I must admit, I didn't watch this because it was on at, like, 4 a.m. Rayner was eighth in uh, 13.24.90, and Ramsden was tenth in 13.30.38. Yeah. When you talked uh, earlier about uh, your season, Brady, and what happened, you, you, you just have raised yourself out of shape. For me, what uh, Jack Rayner have done after he was running the, the 3K here in the Oslo Diamond League, they have, uh, I don't know how, how hard they, they trained in between there, but, but uh, Rayner's shape was much better in, yeah, two months ago than he is now. Mm. Yeah, you're right. It's a long time to be up in there. What's that? Thirteen? Was it thirteen oh five? Thirteen oh four? Yeah, cool. well, he had that. He had that um pacing job, like where he ran like job. he ran yeah. like seven seven forty. Yeah, low. in Rome. Yeah, in Rome. when he when he paced, and then yeah, thirteen oh five or six or something for the five k. Um, but then <laughs> I did read I did read somewhere though that he went into world champs, did the ten k, but he said that he went in like he was t- he was tired. So, um, and then he obviously just hasn't quite got got back. But just goes to show, though, that at this level, it's such a fine line between getting it right and, you know, being, you know, a couple of percent off. Um, and yeah, he, did, so. he did race aggressively. Like, he went with it and tried to cover moves. Like, he was racing like he had full fitness there. He'll be back, though, you, Jack. Yeah, 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 for sure. And do you know, if, is, is Jack running the London Marathon? Yeah, I no, think he, I don't think so. I think is he's he? on the elite field, yeah. I'm pretty okay. sure he is. Have they announced oh, yeah. the big elite field yet? Yeah, Christian? I saw his name in something, but I'm not sure. But then didn't somebody send through an article, Brady, about, like, Jack and a few changes that he's made in terms of, like, taking a rest day once a week and, you know, cutting back the mileage a little bit and, yeah, and, shelving, sport. and, and shelving the marathon um, and focusing on the track? So... Yeah, I, I I don't know. I'd be I'd be surprised if he does run the marathon. No, you got to announce. He is not this in the elite. Yeah, he is in the elite list. Yep, he's on the elite I'd... list here for London, two thousand twenty-two. Okay. Yep. Right. Um. Yep. To eleven oh six, just above Brett and Chris Thompson from Great Britain. Um. So that was that women's steeplechase as well. I've just got those in front of me. Add two Australians there as well. Amy Cashin was fifth in nine thirty-five, and Braille Urbacher was. Eighth in ten fifty nine, hit a, hit one of the. She went over, she fell, but she did well to finish off in the end. So that's why that time's a bit slower than what she's usually running. But good to get the finish line. Such a brutal event in the steeple there. Uh, women's five k, Izzy Bad Doyle. So she had a big championship because she was in the five and the ten. She was eighth. I thought this was a pretty good run, pretty close to her PB. 15-13 for eighth there. Rose Davies and Nat Rule were also in that race. Seventeenth in fifteen forty one. And that rule was 18th in 1551. So same, we spoke at them last week after the world champs, like a long way off their PBs, um, but still fronting up to race. So still putting on the singlet. Um, and the men's 10K, this was a great race from Kai Robinson. He was six. He ran a PB. There were only eight finishes, but it was a quality 
eight guys. He ran a PB at twenty seven forty four. So um, you know, pretty impressive to run a PB in these kind of championship races. Race was won by um Jacob Kipolimo in twenty seven oh nine, which was a games record. And another epic race you just spoke about it before, Christian, was the women's ten K. We had Izzy Bat Doyle, she was eighth in that in thirty two oh four. But there was an epic finish here by Alicia McCovlin to um to get the win over Chep Tyre from Kenya in thirty forty eight with a two fifty one last K. So um epic race. I thought Alicia was gone, but she she hung on pretty well and then kicked in that home straight. What'd you think of it? Christian. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was a phenomenal race and it's a little bit the same when when we in Norway saw Jacob was winning the 5K. For me, it's a little bit the same with Elish Magorgen. I mean, one thing is to win the race, but another thing is to show the whole world that it is possible to beat the East Africans. You just have to do a phenomenal training job. You need to figure out the training system, and then you need to hit it right when it comes to the championship. Because... What Jacob did, beating all the people in the 5K, what Motram tried earlier, what Eilish is doing now, it is like a guy like Kai Robinson also. It's a phenomenal talent. You have, you really have one to watch there. But, but yeah, I mean, people out of Africa, we need to believe in our, ourselves and we need to just do the hard work of training because it is possible to to beat those guys. And Eilish is not a phenomenal 1500 meter runner, but what what when she pulled away the last 100 meter, it, it was a phenomenal moment for athletics. Yeah, it certainly was. And then, Croaks, you want to take us through the 800s before we finish off with the women's 15? Yeah, so Georgia Griffiths, uh, she ran fourth in her heat in a PB of 2 minutes 0.36, um, but unfortunately didn't qualify for the final, um, but it was still a pretty solid run. Kat Bissett was second in her heat and made it through to the final and then finished fifth in that final in 159.41. So, um, you know, it was pretty pretty quick. Well, they, I think they ran like one – was it 156 or 157 to win? Yeah, um, wasn't it? I haven't watched it yet. I've got it on my things to watch because um, wasn't it a bizarre race where she got the winner, the Kenyan, got dropped and went, fell back to last and then come out and won? Come yeah, back. I haven't seen I haven't seen it myself. I'm pretty um, sure. Yeah. yeah, it's been a bit hard with some of the time conversions here, but yeah, just opening the results now. Um, yeah, obviously, Cat Biss its results, but how do you actually click on there? This website's been shocking. You've been trying yeah. to look up results. Whoever yeah. designed this Com Games website, yeah, Mary well, Moore, find... yeah, one fifty seven oh yeah. seven. She ran. Keely yeah. Hodkinson, she was second at the World Champs, one fifty seven four. So how's that? You come second at the World Champs, but also second at the Com Games. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, then the men's 800, we had Charlie Hunter and Pete Bowl. Um, unfortunately, Charlie didn't make it um, out of the heat. Um, but Pete, you know, won his heat, uh, looked looked a million bucks. And then um, in the final, he finished second in 147.6. He just couldn't quite uh, make up the ground on the, on the Kenyan who got away from him. Um, but he was definitely closing on him, so... So another pretty solid there, result for Pete. Yeah. Just, it's good yeah. to get a medal around his neck to go to the next ones. Um, and then Laura Muir, she was third in that women's 800, and then she won the final of the women's 1500. And the move she made was like pretty impressive. To make a move like that with 500 metres to go um, was pretty cool to see, just her grit in the teeth from such a long way out. So she won in 4.02. But the big story was that Abby Caldwell, the Australian, got third 
again, pretty close to a PB, just off 404. Um, huge come from the clouds, really. You couldn't actually, um, they were zooming in on the on Mua bid in the home straight, and you couldn't really see what was happening behind her. And then when they flashed out a bit, you just saw this uh, yellow singlet, first of Lyndon Hall, who was on the outside in kind of like third, fourth, but then, sorry, on the inside, sneaking up the inside, and then Abby Caldwell comes super hard from the outside to just snag that third place medal, probably 10 metres before the line, I think it was. Jessica Hull was also in the same race. She was eighth in 4.07. So uh, three Australian women doing some amazing things. And who would have thought, Croaks, that the Australian champion over 1,500 gets to put on the Australian uniform, not like she did at the World Champs, but comes out here at the Com Games, mm. comes home with a medal. Bronze one. Yeah. Pretty it cool. Was, uh, yeah, it was pretty good given, I guess, the last couple of, or I guess last six weeks that she's had to go through where... Um, you know, we well, she would have thought that she would have been automatic when she went over to the US and got the time. Um, and it also just goes to show how well her and a coach have peaked for this because, you know, they won nationals, went over to the US to get the standard, which they got, then thought they were automatic, came back home to train, and then in the lead-up to this championship ran an 800-metre PB, which... You know, for a championship race, it's often slow early and it comes down to, you know, your kick. So they've worked on that and it, um, you know, paid dividends with her the way she closed to finish third. Yeah. It's so, like, the 15, having that speed in the last 100. I know it sounds obvious, but you really do need to be like a sprinter almost kick down the home straight there. And her interview was pretty good as well. They kind of, yeah, asked her about what she's been going through and she was kind of really referenced... Um, how supportive her whole team was in the last month or so going through all that kind of stuff. So, because she's only 21, mm-hmm. only 21. So, uh, I'm pretty sure end of last year I picked her as one of my people to watch. You know, you know, that that's not, you know that that's not true after our off air chat last night. I think we were still recording when we were, <laughs> were talking we? about that. So, okay, yeah, right. Yeah. But in, in reflection, full stadiums, huge media. I know you were a bit down on um, Com Games last week with the small fields in the marathon and probably not that competitive, but Com Games is good for athletics, full stop, period. Isn't yeah, it? so, so like, I More wish, fans there than the world champs. Yeah, look, so as you said last week, and I, I 100% agree that, you know, if, if Com Games means that the athletes get prime time on our television that's good for the sport. Um, what I don't like about Com Games is not every field is like the men's 1500. Now, all those guys obviously placed a lot of value on the Com Games 1500-metre uh, gold medal, and they all turned up to race. So that was, you know, as I said before, Stewie was the only guy from the Commonwealth that should have been in that final. Unfortunately, not every event was like that. Um, we mentioned last night, Brady, that you know something's wrong with Com Games when Jamaica, who are known for their sprinting abilities, probably the, the best sprint nation in the Commonwealth, don't send a men's four by 100 meter relay team. That would be like Christian, um, the Winter European Championships and Norway not sending a um, cross country skiing relay team. It would, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, 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 I would agree. It, it would weaken it would weaken that medal or that championship knowing that you know the powerhouse of European skiing is not there 
Yeah, for Collingwood supporters, the same as Collingwood playing without, say, Pendlebury, Sidebottom, and Darcy Moore. Yeah, so that's that's the only that's the only downside. Like that's, that's and that's what made the fifteen hundred so good was that all the big hitters were there. Mm, yeah. True. My, but, my rant over. <laughs> but I don't. Do you reckon the public care? They were still well, the buying public, tickets. They were still no. rocking up. Like, oh, there's eight relay teams. Cool. Jamaica's not here. Who gives a stuff? We want to cheer on some sport. That's true. I guess I'm looking at it more from the elite side of thing, like the the pure track and field fan of just wanting wanting the championship to be about who's the best in the Commonwealth winning. Yeah. Um, yeah. But from, but, an, but from, a, from an average punter's point of view, like they wouldn't wouldn't know. Yeah. That's good. Some quick results. So, oh, sorry, Christian, you were going to say something? Yeah, you can imagine being from England this uh, this summer. Like next Monday, the 15th of August, is the European Championship starting. Yeah. Gee, that's hard for him to be up the whole time, though, isn't it? You can imagine yeah. Enish Magolgan going <laughs> for the 5K and against the Grovdal and in the 10K against Lona Salpeter and, yeah, of, and all the 1500 meter and 800 meters guys like Monaco mm. Diamond League is tomorrow, the, mm. the 10th of August, and then the European Championship is starting in Germany, the Monday the 15th. And, and Germany is a little bit the same as England. It will be massive crowd. It's in Munich. It's a big city. And the, yeah, the stadium there are fantastic. And it will be a lot of people out in the streets for the marathon. So yeah, it's another week with quality athletics on the TV. So good. Croaks, couple of your mates racing over in the US. We'll do a quick wrap of the other results that happened that weren't Commonwealth Games. And then we'll get uh, onto the listener question. Yeah, so the Sir Walter Mile, which was in the US, uh, we had Jai Edwards and Rory Hunter running there. Um, Jai ran six uh, in 355.9, so yeah, for the mile, and uh, Rory was seventh in 356.2. So um, yeah, those guys have been racing a little bit in Europe. I think they've got down to like 337 this season for 1500, so um, they're on their way back, which is good to see. That is good. Haven't seen their names for a while. And then Victoria, I've spoken about already, Albert Park 10K. I'll tell you about the winners, though. Sam McEntee, good to see him back in form. He won 29-12. Andre Waring was second, 29-21. Seth O'Donnell, third, 29-44. Andre really wearing that um that bridesmaid position pretty well. He was getting rolled by Andy in the first couple of rounds, and then Andy went overseas, and Seth rolled him in the other cross-country, and now Sam's come out and rolled him in this one. So, um... A lot of seconds throughout his season. Georgia Hansen from Box Hill won the women's in 33.41. Rachel McGuinness was uh, second in 34.28. And Michelle Pearson from St. Stephen's Harriers, haven't said her name all season, I don't think, was third in 34.42. A lot of depth of uh, the team scores. The females, Glenn Huntley won that with 84. They're uh, undefeated for the season. South Melbourne second on 99. Melbourne Uni third on 165. And the men's, St. Stephen's won, 117. Western Athletics, second, 133. Bats boys, down in third, 219. Worst result mm. for the season. But anyway, we're hanging That's on. All right. 17 points in front. You guys can't really lose. Can't really lose unless a disaster <laughs> happens from here on in. But 50, uh, sorry, 530 men in the men's with 60 of them under 32 minutes. So a lot of depth there. Um, and I think our mate, Big Moose, I think he was in 60th or 59th. Let me just tell you, I reckon he was the one that just snuck under. And for people playing at home, if he was going to reduce the uh, gap from two minutes between us, he definitely did. He won that 
that battle. Um, so he was going all right. Let me tell you right here. There we go. Julian Spence in at 60th position, 31.57. And the Cats finished in fifth spot. So I know they had their eyes on uh, trying to get a bit of a tilt going towards the back end of the season. But fifth spot probably doesn't help them uh, do that. So there's the yeah, Box Hill might be safe in second up there, but the Cats are coming for them. New South Wales short course cross-country croaks. This was a test event for the World Cross Country Championships. Yeah, so they had it at Bathurst um, at Mount Panorama, which is uh, we're well known for motorsport. Uh, it was a 1,500-metre loop, which I'm not exactly sure if that's the same loop that they're going to have uh, at World Champs. Um, but, uh, yeah, it sound, looked like it was a pretty brutal event. A few hills, a fair bit of mud. Um, Holly Campbell won the women's, uh, 22.34. Ainsley Van Graan was second, 23.08. And Ella Higgins, third in 24.07. Uh, Ethan Wyatt-Smith won the men's. Um, he's from Western Australia, but he's, uh, I believe, living in Canberra, training with Dick Telford. He won in 2014. Drew Fry was second in 2023. 20, and Cameron Myers uh, was third in 2024. I was talking to Jimmy today from Athletes New South Wales. He said they were pretty happy with the way it went, so um, that's good. We, how, uh, how's, how's Norway's team going to look for world cross-country champs, Christian? No, it's going to be deep. Uh, I saw the, the course uh, croaks. It's a 2K loop. and Yeah. Uh, yeah it will be the 18th of, uh, of February. Uh, Jacob has said several times that he really wants to go, and uh, the World Championship half marathon in China was uh, cancelled now, so... Yeah, I think we can bring some people. I mean, the European Championship in cross-country is uh, early December, so you have a small break and you start training Yeah, probably around Christmas. Some people will probably just go altitude, somebody will go Kenya, somebody will probably go South Africa or go US. problem with US is that you have to travel for ages to, to get down to Australia, but... Yeah, I mean, we can have a competitive team. Of course, cross-country is, for me, is the hardest uh, event in the world to win. So, And Jakob knows the history. So for him, of course, he wants to go. But how many people we can send that are competitive, I'm, I'm not sure. We, we, are, we don't have a lot of men that have finished top 10 in the history in the cross-country. How's his uh, brothers going, Christian? They're still competitive, potentially be on the team? They are both loading up for the World Championship next season. They both had, both Philip and Henrik had to take a big step back. They had too much trouble with, uh, yeah, with uh, with Achilles stuff and hamstring problems. So, but they stayed with Jakob in St. Moritz now, all uh, all the brothers together. So, so they are doing a good training, but they have. Uh, they have stepped down from the from the high risk, uh, fast racing training, and they are not. Uh, and they are now building for, for uh, yeah, for world championship next summer. So I, I don't think uh, Philip and Henrik are gone. But if they can run 3:30 again, I'm not sure. But for the 5K, I think both of them will will be fine. So. We, we have to see, but of course they are a team and Jakob is flying and, and, and I mean, 
the money is not an issue anymore. They, they are usually only on training camps all the time. So, so I think Philip and Henrik will be back. And yeah, we have young people coming up now. We have Grovdal winning the European cross country last year. So she probably also want to go. So hopefully we can have a good team down there. Yeah, will you come out, cover it for your podcast, do some media work? <laughs> Could see oh, you. <laughs> I, I cannot say. Uh, I can say for sure that I will visit Australia, but uh, I'm not sure. You've been saying that for years, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but I'm still running, so the, the train haven't left. True, true that. Uh, Radio Croaks, listen to the question. All right, loving the show as always. Got a question for the three of you. If you could run three races before you die, so one is reliving a race you loved, either you PB'd felt amazing great memories two is running a race that went terribly again and you want to change so a different prep going in or different tactics on the day and three is a race you've never done but want to christian you're the guest you can go first i like this question Hmm. i go with the third one first a race i have never done but want to do i uh last morning i had a good morning 10 miles run i was and i was listening to the to the good old interview with steve jones and i really have to say boys that one day we we should all be lining up in the street of boston being prepared for the hills mm. running that course it's it seems to be something special and and one thing is to go there when you are retired or when you are not in in a good shape another thing is to go there when when we are young and can still go fast and hopefully we can be pre- prepared. So I will say Boston for sure is, is the number one race for me that I have not done before. Mm, good that's one. a good answer. Do you want to all and, Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah two run, is running a race that went terrible again and you want to, to change different prep going in. In 2014, I was running the Frankfurt Marathon. I ran 2.40, 1.16 the first half and the second half 1.24. So that had to be the race I wanted to go back because in Frankfurt you're finishing uh, inside a big uh, stadium like with, with roof and everything and the, the finish line there is spectacular. But, but that day I was completely dead. So. I have to say that the Frankfurt Marathon going back, like getting some kind of revenge there. Yeah, good one. And number one, one you'll always uh, relive because you loved it? I think I have to go with the Barcelona Half Marathon in February. It's something special with that city. I have a lot of really good memories from from back in the days when I was playing poker. I, I love the football matches there. The, 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 the city is amazing and, and the half marathon there in, in February is, is really one on the bucket list. I have been there several times and it's always the same when I'm coming back there. It's like, man, I need to come uh, always come back for this one. It's a great city too, isn't it? You been there, Crooks, Barcelona? Yeah, I, uh, yeah went there, um, yeah, 2003. Tour. You would have been a party animal then too, 2003. That's when you would have been drinking the Red Bulls and vodkas. Were you single yeah, at, few, at the time? Uh, no, I was over there with my girlfriend at the time. Okay. So, yeah. Um, all right, Brady, you're up. Or do you, want to, do you want to alternate? We'll go like... 
We'll both, do, we'll both do three first question. Right, I want to do New York for the same reasons, Christian, that you spoke about, like such a significant race and um, one that you always see on TV and cover. And I like the aspect of it's like got the hills and you go through different boroughs. And yeah, I'd really like to, to do all three of the big, I guess, mm. um, US ones. But New York's probably the one for me. And I'm interested in your comments around like, when is the time to do them? Because like when you go and race races, talking from experience about Berlin, when you when you put everything on the line and things don't go to plan, it's not a very enjoyable experience. Like I'd love to go to say a New York when I'm in two twenty five shape and just go run two thirty five and No, 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 no. No, like be, be be like be comfortable and enjoy it and not be high strung in the days leading up to it and being able to just slow things down a tiny bit to be like notice things that you probably wouldn't always notice and you know you're gonna be having fun those last seven Ks, not wanting it to be over. Do you know what I mean? Appreciate it appreciate the race in a different way. That's just that's just ah, what but- I'm thinking. Uh, imagine Steve Jones. He ran 20820 in nineteen eighty-eight. You can't imagine the, the quality of, of the runners we are talking about. This uh, when I was listening to the Steve Jones interview, it was like Boston and New York. Like next year I just have to go for one of them. Yeah. Oh well, let us know which one we might come. How many times have you listened to that interview? Ah <laughs> uh, the Steve Jones um is not maybe three maybe four times but uh, yeah the Sean Crichton one that that's is the one. Uh, that's the one I have been uh, most times going through <laughs> if you go for a long run you're a little bit down when you go go out the door you put out the, yeah that that interview and when you're coming back two hours later you are the motivation is 200% I'm adding that name Crokes to our uh, friends of the show list for Patreon Sean Crichton he would be oh, great yeah. to get back on, get his thoughts on all things athletics at the moment, because he, uh, yeah. he he'd have some good opinions. Yeah. What's yours, Coke? Right. Number three. Yeah. So if I guess if we're looking at marathons like London, Boston, or New York, um, but if I was to move up into the ultra world, then I reckon comrades. Um, something about I know comrades. I, I think it's the well the most probably famous. Uh, road ultra there is um so that's probably one i wouldn't mind doing if i was going to do an ultra it's coming up in a couple of weeks as well friend mm. of the show ash watson might catch up with him they, as well they have another one uh, it's a, like a good stepping stone if you're going for 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 that kind of experience it's uh, it's a big race in europe called sierra senal it's going this uh, this saturday coming up now so in three days and and that is the, the Kilian have the record there, but that is the, the race where the difference between the, the fast uh, 210 Kenyan marathon guys and the mountain guys is, yeah, is the smallest. So that is pretty much where the best from, from the marathon and the best from the, the, the mountains is meeting. So that can be one race to watch now in the, in the weekend. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And the one um, that went poorly for me, Croaks, that I'd change would be uh, Melbourne Marathon 2015, my first one. Just didn't respect it. Probably a few things in the build-up leading up just went in a bit. I was in, I remember running 66.30 in the um, in the half marathon beforehand, like at Gold Coast, I think it was. So I was in reasonable shape and just thought it was going to be easy. I'd slow that 66.30 down to 
69.30 and then come mm. home strong and run 218 high, maybe 219 low, get one on the board for the first one. Moose paced me, we went through 70, and then I blew to absolute pieces, ran 76 for the second <laughs> half, and just didn't know where I was, hardly took on any nutrition, which is <laughs> way too cocky, thinking this marathon cave wouldn't mm. be super easy. Um, and learned so much about the marathon that day and was quite, you know, had was quite scared of it. Like, because how you how I felt at that last 7-8K was like nothing I'd never experienced in running before. And you actually yeah. felt like unsafe, like wobbly and like, are you actually going to make it? And I think I was running like 4-20Ks towards the end there. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, wasn't enjoyable at all. And um, I am kind of glad that everything got cancelled and then I did Melbourne again last year as like the only option for us to do a marathon because like just going back there, I always said I'd never do Melbourne again because I didn't like the weather, didn't like the course and I had those really bad memories from 2015, but it was good to go back and just get one, get a half decent one there Mm -hmm. um, and be like, okay, that's that chapter's shut and I can um, put that trauma away, but that's my one. I reckon 90% of people, if you ask them that question, would probably say their first marathon because yeah. they just underestimate it. Like, I'd be I'd be the same, but I'm not going to choose my first marathon. Um, I, I got two. One was probably our Road to Berlin series. Um, oh, yeah. Like, although I didn't race, I, I basically ran the first half of it and then pulled out. Um, like, I was just disappointed that, like, six or probably eight weeks out, I was in really good shape. Um you know, got that Achilles niggle, which, you know, as it turned out, a, a cortisone fixed, fixed it immediately. So I wish I'd sort of got on top of that, you know, had the cortisone and then, you know, I probably would have still made the start line. Um, Cause that was, yeah, it was a rough day. Like just seeing you guys run pretty well, um, knowing that, you know, I, you know, I felt like I was capable of, you know, at least running what you guys were running. Um, but it did then fire me up for that next sort of five months to then get fit for Lake Biwa, which, you know, if, if if I'd run, say, 219 at Berlin, I probably wouldn't have run Lake Biwa and, you know, 219 may have been like my PB. So um, that's one and probably my 5K, like my 5K PB in a way because, um, uh, well, one, Moose, Moose and Nick Earl ran over the top of me down the straight. Um, but, like, I'd run 814 for 3K like a couple of weeks before and um, I – had to make the call whether I'd go with the front group after like 800 metres, which had like Matt Ramsden in, and I did. And then, you know, by 2K, I was in no man's land. So I'd, I'd like to run that one again and, um, you know, have a slightly faster 5K PB than what it is. So you would have sat with Moose and Nick Earl instead I, and then just put I, them in a coffin the last couple of Ks? Well, you know, I was obviously – like I'd run 8.14 for 3K. So I was, you know, obviously had a fair bit of speed there, but I just, you know – one, I'd probably spent too many bickies in that first part, but then you know what it's like when you get isolated in a 5K track race um, and you've still got like two two and a half K to go. Um, I was just out there on my own. So, yeah, it probably would have been smarter to just sit with those guys and see if I had something left over the last lap. Yeah, and my race to relive, probably no surprises here, Jales Park Relays, the start of the year, Benigo Bats mm-hmm. winning their first medal in an AV race in their first season in their first uh, yeah season in Premier Division. Just a team component. I know it sounds super cliche, and I talk shit about the Benigo Bats on this podcast all the time. But um, to have the team component and the last leg come down to you know Andy Buchanan versus Stewie versus Andre versus uh, Nath Pierce. It's like four significant people in the athletes Victoria scene. Um, and the rain coming in sideways, and knowing that there was already 30k worth of relay ran at that stage. Um, it was just cool to know, to see that we won it. Um, and then, yeah, it was just a special day for the Benigo Bats. 
What's yours? Uh, yeah, so I got two again. One would be the Steve Prefontaine Memorial Run. Um, oh yeah, he just, loves talking about this, Christian. Oh, it's, yeah. The thing is, it's not a PB. Like I ran, you know, thirty-one and a half minutes for ten k. Like I won, like I won by a fair bit. But you know, for the six months before it, before I knew I was going over there, you know, I grew my hair, grew my sides, grew a beard, and then shaved it down to a mo for race day. But just being able to run through his hometown. Um, finish at his high school track, um, meet his mum and sister. Um, like it, it was just a really cool experience, even though it wasn't a close race, it wasn't a PB, um, but it was just awesome. Uh, and the other one for me was probably the start of my running journey. Um, it's like I hated running up until, you know, I was probably 16. Um, and so the best I ever finished at my school cross country as an under 16 was 40th in my age group at my school. And then 96 Olympics were on and I had a bit of a growth spurt in year 10. So I just started to get like a bit fit, started to run a bit. And then when the school cross country rolled around uh, the following year, I was in year 11, um, but I was in open. So I was competing against the year 12s as well. And um, yeah, like I remember coming onto the oval with like 300 meters to go, still thinking that like, there's no way I was going to win this school cross country. Um, and yeah, it was just amazing because I never ever thought I was a, a, a decent runner. Um, and the fact that I finished 40th was my best result up until that point in my school. And then to win Opens was um, probably got me hooked on running, just that feeling. So that's, yeah, that's, that's my other cool. one. That's cool. You put some thought into this uh, question. All right, next segment, Moose on the Loose, Purchase of the Week. Anyone got anything? Christian, uh, anything, anything fired you up in the last week? Something you want to go off at? Put you on the spot nah, here. My, my headspace is quite good at the moment, I have to say. But uh, yeah, I mean, we are uh, stepping down the Norwegian podcast in uh, after Berlin, so maybe I'll go with that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good. Croaks, anything from you? Uh, no, I've had my I've had my moose on the loose. I think with just the com games, like the 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 disappointing aspects of com games. Has anyone uh, anyone made any decent purchases in the last week? Mm, no, nah, not like Moose. She's well boring <laughs> compared to Moose, aren't we? <laughs> I, I I got the new Adidas Pro Tree Through, so I will have them for a try now. Oh, aren't they giving them out for free for people if they want to be involved in a study? We've got a listener question coming up for Shoe Yeeks. Did you say anything about this for Berlin Marathon? I don't know. Yeah, supposedly, like, if you wear them on race day, they'll give you a free pair, and then you got to do a survey or something like that. Is it good? But you're pretty set on the ASICs for race day, aren't you? Yeah, they have to be really good. But but I also have the new Alpha 2. I have Alpha 2. I have not tried them. So I have, yeah, the Adidas Pro 3 and Alpha 2 for for, uh, for giving a go this week. Must be nice, Croaks, having all those shoes to <laughs> choose from. Must so be that nice. happens when you're the, the king of Norway. King of Norway. <laughs> Let us know how you go in those ones and what's coming up, boys. A few things coming up. Episode 250 next week, so that's a significant milestone for the show. Uh, City to Surf is this weekend. Talking to Jimmy at Athletics New South Wales today, he was letting me know that Leanne Pompiani is in the women's field, Chloe Tyke, Marty Ponton, Ansley Van Gran, and then potentially Liam Adams in the men's race with Ed Goddard and Andre Waring headlining that as well. It's a big weekend in running in Australia because you've got our Sunshine Coast half marathon, Australian half marathon champs, 
Kieran that uh, Lisa will go into that as a favourite. Lisa Whiteman and Sarah Klein also backing up after the World Champs. Brett Robertson up against the Queensland boys. So we're talking about um, Liam Bowden, Timmy Vincent up there, I think. So you'd think Brett would go into that, the favourite. Comrades. Actually, a, there's a moose on the loose for me. The fact that, like, the City to Surf, that used to be the iconic road running event in this country and it's just lost its way over the years to the point that you know was well, that the race uh, uh harry somers almost took down the record yeah, yeah. so yeah. like you know Oof. is so, that race done now well like it's yeah it hasn't been on the last couple of years because of covid um but over here christian like when i was a kid it used to the whole race used to be televised on TV, which that just doesn't happen in this country running, you know, on live TV. Um, and it's probably it's probably been ten or fifteen years since that stopped. Um, you know, there's not a lot of support for the elite athletes anymore, um, and so the top athletes then just stopped stopped going to it. But it was it used to be a who's who, like all the top runners in the country would run city to surf. You know, your your Deeks, your Monas. Um, and it's just not what it is now. And it, it goes to show, you know, Brett Robinson has decided to go up and run the Sunshine Coast um, half marathon champs, you know, instead of City to Surf because, you know, City to Surf isn't that iconic anymore, unfortunately. Um, but also, like, you know, the fact that both these big events are on the same weekend is not, not great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was staying two months on a training camp with Harry Somers in 2019 in the yeah leading up to Valencia Marathon and yeah I was watching the replay of his race the crowds everything it, it yeah it seems like a fantastic race I saw some uh, yeah some background stories from Monogetti mm-hmm. and stuff like that it was like uh, something really big in Australia I think like Harry like eighty thousand eighty thousand people. On the streets yeah, of yeah, Sydney, yeah. yeah. So I think it was, um, it did hold the world record. I think for the most people in a in a fun run. At yeah, one point, huge. tough mm. course too, Christian. Few hills in there, but yeah, pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, I point saw to the point's cool. Harry. Yeah, Harry was fit back in the days there. Whew. But the hype around both those events has been terrible. Like I haven't seen any marketing, um, no promo who's, stuff. Who's in charge there? Um, so both would be private businesses that own them i'd say so i think iron man owns city to surf now it used to be like fairfax down here in australia yeah. and then sunshine coast i'm not sure who owns sunshine coast marathon yeah i'm not sure and they've got the rights for the australian half marathon champs but and i know each state has kind of announced their team and done like a social media post but yeah this is a race happening on the weekend and i had to um yeah like go searching for names today um, with James at Athletes New South Wales, and I think they've done a big part of trying to pull the elite field together. Yeah. But, yeah, it'd be good to see it get promoted a bit more. And then Monaco Diamond League, that's uh, that's tomorrow, August the 10th. We've got a few Australians in action here, uh, Georgia Griffith and Jess Hull in the 1500. And Kip Yagon, Christian, you might know more. Is she going to go for the world record? Heard anything about that? Yeah, I heard that they will probably try, but I don't think the shape is there now, uh. I don't know, but the 3K will be really good to watch. And, of course, the, the 1K event is a special event. It's not every day we see the 1,000 the meter. But for me, running, the, 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 I don't know with Kipiagon if she can... The, the world record is really, really fast also. Yeah, it's 3.50, isn't it? Is that right? Yeah, it's 
Yeah, it's the the bar boss. It's yeah, one of that's the right. Three fifty. Yeah, Jens um, mm-hmm. two thousand seventeen. Why no fifteen hundred? Because it's usually like that's a significant race there. Stewie's in the three k. Amy Cashin's in the three k steeple. But the fifteen hundred at Monaco is usually the big one. Probably the timing, yeah. or probably the timing, yeah. because they've had like world champs now, Com Games, and people are getting ready for the European. So no one, no one wants to race a fifteen hundred now. Yeah, true. Weissman will not go for the fifteen in the European. He will only go for the eight hundred mm. meter. And Jakob don't want to go to Monaco. Chariot Kipsong is probably a little bit tired. Maybe, yeah, Stewie probably wants to go for the three k. So I think the Monaco this year will not be the Monaco we have seen mm. every single year. But but it's very hard. You can imagine it's World Champ, Com Games, and then European. So what can you do? Mm. Yeah, true. All right, fellas, before we leave, Moose did just have some notes here. Croaks, we've got an, uh, a fun run to plug, the Ballerina Rail Trail Run, which is this weekend. There's a 17 or 34K race down there. It's the Geelong Cats cross-country team's uh, major fundraiser. So if you get a chance to mention on the show, that would be great. Uh, 50% discount for Inside Running Podcast listeners if you use the code IRP22. That brings your entry down to 10 bucks. So uh, that's Ballerine Rail Trail Run, 34K option from Queenscliff to Drysdale and return, or a 17K option from Drysdale to Queenscliff. And you can take the train to the 17K mark and uh, leave your car there at Queenscliff. Ballerine Rail Trail Run is a bit of a uh, special race. The train does run, but it's not a formal race where you go against the train. But uh, ideal for people training for the Melbourne Marathon, they reckon, down there brtrun.com.au for more information. And boys, what's coming up in your life? Jul- uh, Julian, nearly called you Moose there, Christian. That's how <laughs> that's how used to it I'm doing this show. Tell me what you're going to be doing between now and next time, or next week. We won't hear from you next week, but what's that coming up in your life? Uh, I have a double day tomorrow, six times 2K in the morning and some track stuff in the afternoon, and then I will go for a half marathon this weekend but i will not race the half marathon so either i will run progressive from 330 to 320 or i will do a two times 10k with 1k float i have not decided yet just have to also see if it's some other people i can run with maybe i go for the progressive stuff but uh, yeah not a very big long run this weekend but uh, yeah solid training and another good uh, week towards Berlin. Yeah, all right. Well, good luck with that prep. And Croaks, what do you got coming up? Uh, just trying to get fit and get my uh, get my running mojo back again. Yeah, it won't be far away. You'll get it back. Yeah, I'm not I'm not too concerned. I just yeah. need to string together some uh, 130, 140K weeks. Righty-o, boys. Thanks. Any, any chance we can get you to Valencia, Croaks? Oh, yeah. I looked at my flights the other day, Christian. I'm really close to pulling the trigger. I'm well, going to be there. Question, Christian. Did you get a um? Did you get a free entry through Valencia? Oh no, no. I have never. Nothing in my life is for free. <laughs> I, I emailed, have to pay. I emailed them. I got told I'm too slow. So did, I did you really? I, yeah, yeah. So they had times. It was um, uh, and it's been since uh, like you had to have run it since 2020. Time. Nah. So it's got to be sub 220 or a 66 half or a third oh i think it was 30 15 for 10k um and i haven't I haven't posted any of those times that was so, weird because i hadn't gone uh, i pay t- your entry if you join me uh, <laughs> yeah. there we um, go. 
We'll see. The other option was um, Fukuoka's back. Yeah, I heard. It's yeah, and race. so I um, I messaged our mate over at uh, old Brett Lana from Japan Running News because he put he put something up a few weeks back um, with the the website, but there was actually no details really on the website. So I messaged him and he said that they shouldn't. He'll know more sort of late August and. Um, he might be able to help me out there. So I'm not sure what the requirements are for Fukuoka, which is on, I think it's on the same day as Valencia. Yeah, it's, it's the 4th of December. So that could be an option. It's closer to home. Um, yeah. yeah, much easier flight. Yeah, but remember how many times you have had a preparation going into Valencia. One day you need to be there. Mm, well, I've, only had one, I've only had one Valencia prep. One too many. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh, uh, join Brady. Also, I haven't seen you face-to-face -face since Berlin 2017. Well, come to World Cross and you might see me. Yeah, we'll be up there. We'll if be doing you, some media stuff If you come to Valencia, I come World Cross. <laughs> Good deal. <laughs> All right. We're both we'll work on, on it. it. <laughs> All right, boys. Thanks for keeping me company on the show. Let's do it all again uh, next week, listeners. Might have an interview. I'm working hard on an interview, sliding into some DMs, getting seen, but no responses yet. But I'm really working hard on uh, bringing a big name to the show next week. And but, uh, but but Moose was uh, running next to Rob de Costello. You need to bring him and Motram before you are quitting. Yeah, Motram. I mean, Motram's coming. I, Motram's locked. Yeah, but de Costello, I have heard uh, a lot of small stuff around him. And when I was talking with the, yeah, we had the interview with the husband of Greta Weiss. He was saying so many good things about Robert. So, I mean, some of you have to get him on this show. Yeah. Yeah, well, he waved to me the other week. I told you that, didn't I? When I was up yeah, at the yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he waved to me. So that's a, yeah. that's a start. I cooked a barbecue he, at his house. Croaks used to date one He's of these, living like... in Melbourne. Is he in Melbourne? How do you know I this? Don't know we don't know this. No, he lives, in, he lives in Canberra. Okay, then you just pick up the phone, Croaks. <laughs> just, just go knock on his door, Brad. You've been to his house and uh, cooked him a barbecue. Yeah. He signed a, he signed a photo for me as well. Yeah. Um, I'll leave yeah, that we, with you. You we, can we get Dee Costello. Mottram yeah. can uh, Moose can get Mottram because they're both Geelong boys. Yeah. And so I'll... the thing with the thing with the Deke interview for me is it was a bit before my like I'd have to definitely do a lot of research I reckon for that one because like Deke, I know Deke Costello, you mean. yeah because I know the races that he won but I don't think that's enough for the interview. I'd like to go, you know, a bit deeper. You'd almost like, have you to know, read his book like we did like, with that mono one and just have yeah. the highlighter out. Like the stuff yeah. that you spoke about just before, Christian, about the time he spent in Norway, you know, like I, you know, wouldn't have wouldn't have known that. Um, so, yeah, there's a fair bit of it. And there's like obviously so much he can talk about because he lived in Boulder as well. Um, yeah, so he's lived he in was training. Of... He was training a lot in Boulder with the... Yeah, with Steve Jones. He probably mm. have some fantastic story, how they created the training system, what they, yeah, I mean, sometimes we just have to realize that these guys, they were probably running 204 now with the shoes and with the, the pacemakers and everything. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. But Christian, thank you for giving up your time as well. Like I know our, our listeners absolutely love hearing you just not ramble, but, you know, give good insight into your training and Norwegian um, training. So thank you. Much, appreci much appreciated. Yeah, right, thanks, it was good mate. to be back. And sometimes it's good that uh, I can step in for Moose also. So, yeah, we have a different episode uh, matters uh, which one of you guys that are away. 
And Christian, are any of your interviews in English? Like when you had Jake Whiteman's dad on, was he in speaking? Yeah, yeah, of course. He cannot okay. speak Norwegian. That's what I, th- yeah, I was thinking that. Okay, so listeners, we can, uh, do you want to give it a plug? What's it, what's it called? How do they find it? <laughs> yeah, the name is in the long run, but in Norwegian it's E the long lot. But of course, I mean, it's it's Norwegian and yeah, we, ha- we have some stuff. We have used some stuff from your podcast, some some knowledge around the 1500 meter boys and yeah, something about Stewie's training when we was talking about the different training philosophies. But uh, yeah, the, 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 it was a small interview with the father of Jake Whiteman. It's, it's a good story because he was the speaker that day. Jake won the world championship. Mm. So you can imagine being your son is winning. And you coach him, so, yeah. And then the other one that we'll get a lot of messages about we should really mention is the Cam Evans one. You have sent it to us, but I haven't listened to it yet. You didn't do that one, did you? But you just said there was some great information in there? Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a Swedish friend of us that have lived in the U.S. for a lot of years. So he did that interview. And, yeah, I mean, he's fluid English, American speaking. And, and Cam was really up and about also after the, the fourth finishing place. And... They were talking very, very detailed about the training, about uh, him uh, leaving Alberto uh, Salazar and the group with Mo Farah and Galen Ruff, what he have learned the last years going back to, to the old school training with a lot of mileage and running slow. And yeah, so th- that interview was great. It's a bit, uh, for me, it's a bit the same like listening to Steve Jones, just that this is the new era of, of running uh, fast for the marathon. Yeah, so if people just type in Cam Evans into their podcast players, they'll find it. What's yeah, the name the, of the podcast? This po- podcast is uh, yeah running nicely, so snicked running like yeah. Okay, beautiful. But mate. they will find it for sure, and it's open, and it's open for free. Yeah. In in the Swedish uh, podcast, they have in the in the headline where the interview is starting so you don't have to listen to 50 minutes of the <laughs> swedish accent before very good well fellas it's been great for the last two hours we've been talking thanks for joining me and we'll do it all again next week croaks see you guys see you now if you've gotten through this whole episode without buying a bottle of glossily sports new dry shampoo ready sweat glow do your hair a favor and grab a bottle now refreshing your hair in seconds so you can skip the wash not the workout. Check it out at glossalysport.com.au and use the code RUNNING20 for 20% off.